It is Friday, August 6, 2021. Today we discuss a little tech news, a um, little VDI, and you know maybe we'll touch on what's new in Teams. I am Michael Askins, architect and technologist, and this is the Technology Architecture Solution Engineering Show. In the virtual studio, we have Dev. Dev, uh, regular show today, right? Kind of a mini collab corner, you know, minus Ari, but you know, we'll touch on some stuff that's happening in Teams and and kind of dive down some other stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to talk about different things. I know you got hands on with the new Microsoft service yesterday. I'm excited to. Poke you about that. I did. I did. Um, yeah, but before we go down that rabbit hole, I'm just going to kind of do a little mini cross promotion. So on one of the other shows we were on, or I was on, I have, I had you on as a guest for a conversation with episode. So I'm going to put the link in the show notes. So those of you who listen to Dev, you know, week in and week out, you can learn a little bit more about him on that other, other channel. So we'll put a link in the show note, take a listen, uh, learn a little bit about Dev and, uh, you know, Flick us back with some comments. Let us know what, what you think of that. Um, also, before we go down the rabbit hole, we're not going to have a mid-break because this is going to be a consolidated episode. So we would like to thank our sponsor, Aspirant, for helping to make this show possible. Uh, we will put links to Aspirant in the show notes, as well as links to some of the things we do with the day job there uh, over at Aspirant's website. So without further ado, tech news, you put two things in the tech news. Uh, let's start. You know, the second thing you put in that tech news, I'd like read four times, not on your thing. I read four different articles about that in the name Uh, so so we'll get there we'll get there but uh the first tech news bit what do you got so yeah the um i think this is a long time coming for a lot of people especially for me because i feel like it has been very confusing Um, but microsoft is finally consolidating their OneNote apps into a single source of truth Um, (laughs) (laughs) no more uh multiple OneNote apps your OneNote for windows 10 which i believe was called something else beforehand i think it was just called OneNote. i think the for windows 10 uh, branding was relatively new um and the OneNote install that comes with uh, microsoft 365 um so uh they're Merging those, it seems that it, it, they, it's funny because they had to clarify in, the, in their article that they posted, they're not building a third OneNote app to, <laughs> so people <laughs> didn't get confused. Um, but essentially what's happening is they're rolling in features from the OneNote for Windows 10 app into the uh, Office install of OneNote. Um, over the next, I guess, over the course of the next six to nine months, I believe. And uh, at some point, they're going to ask users, I believe, early next year to upgrade to the uh, new consolidated version of OneNote. So I'm curious to see what features they're going to bring over, what the new design is going to be. I wonder if it's going to fall in line with the design of the other Office products that they're doing with the Windows 11 refresh um, of the of the Office apps. So I wonder if that's tied in somehow. Um, but um, I'm glad there's going to be one from now on because you always ask everyone which which, which version of OneNote do you use. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I prefer the Windows I 10 use version. Them both. <laughs> so, there's there is some parody and there's not a, there's there's some gaps and features in both of them so sometimes you like to add personally i think the one note for windows 10 handles drawing better yeah so, so um, ink, inking is way better on that. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm sure that's something they grow all into the uh consolidated version so um what, what what are your thoughts on it i mean i'm sure it's a long time coming what what features would you like to come over besides come over besides inking Anking is the biggest one for me because yeah. you know, I was just re- recently looking at e-paper because um, mm. I, I do a lot of notes. And I also historically, especially when I was in person, I historically have done um, quite a bit with like having an old school notebook to take notes and, you know, draw little sketches out. Um yeah, it's it's useful having a, an old school notebook, especially depending on your audience. You know, so if you have, you know, an old business minded individual who likes to see you're taking them serious, not click clacking on the keyboard or scribbling on on a slate uh, that the, that you're putting pen to paper and you're, you're you're taking their their interests in, you know, legitimately. 
I do also find the tactile writing on paper sometimes a little bit more uh, memorable from the notes I take as opposed to just kind of digitally swathing stuff down and having to rely on search to find it. So um, I think I think being the merging of it with the inking is the biggest thing for me. Uh, you know, the layouts, the way that tablets handle it in the Android version is pretty decent, but there's some latency there. Um, but when I'm on, you know, a surface device, it's super reactive and, you know, yeah. 4,096 levels of pressure. <laughs> you know, that doesn't matter when I'm writing the word out or writing a word out, you know, or yeah. writing something. So, you know, there's people that use, you know, use it for like sketching, like pictures. I don't do that. I draw like diagrams and things like that. So I think that's the biggest thing. For, well, the other thing too is, is this is the best thing I'm looking for is not having to like go, have multiple notebooks synced all over the place. Cause I, like I mentioned, I use both. It's not like it's a, like, a, I mean, it actually is a little bit of space hog, but I yeah. mean, it's just a real pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think, and, and this, actually, this is something else that, uh, you know, came to mind for me because of uh, uh, a, a meeting we had a couple of weeks ago with, with a client where we did some uh, end user training um, is, you know, the integration with Outlook resides within the uh, OneNote. Uh, app that comes with the office install yep. so be able to consolidate that and like you said with the multiple notebooks being synced to one app versus the other one um you know that'll help you know being everything in one place um i do think it's the it's the one app that microsoft hasn't uh fully birthed into or you know fully integrated into the uh uh because the off in the and in the into the into the into the ecosystem fully with that so i'm, I'm excited to see what they do and uh yeah the inking part is gonna be huge I, agree. Yeah, I wonder how much of this comes out of people working from home and then also uh, schools adopting uh, 365 and, you know, they yeah. have the plugins for learning, you know, all the notebooks and the teacher version, like, you know, early on in, in the pandemic before <laughs> the day job merged into Aspirant. Um, well, part of it did. And the, the, the biggest takeaway was, you know, like we had engagements with some local government and local schools and like, we want to use this because we're getting it for like free and we need to do something. I was like, well, did you know there's, you know, the one note for education? And so we went down that rabbit hole like a lot early on. Um, so I, I wonder how much of this changing is going to impact some of that, because I know it's like some of the templates and some of the things that you can get were more readily available for the the the, the 365 install versus the 10 install. I mean, you can get like some page templates and like graph paper and what have you. But, you know, like you can go out there and get some like prefab dot ones and it seemed to like display and work a little bit easier, better. So I wonder if the integration type components are going to change a little bit, too. Yeah, cool. yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. We'll have to wait until next year to see what that looks like. Carrying on. <laughs> so you're carrying on uh, to our our, our uh, two of two of for tech news. Um, uh, Microsoft is developing, or I guess a different mode for Edge called the uh, <laughs> the uh, super duper secure mode for Microsoft Edge. <laughs> At least like I think some, that's sounds uh, like something I'd come up with. <laughs> yeah. I think it's something they're branding and they're calling that internally right now, kind of like a project name um, yeah. for it. I, I don't, I doubt that will be the official name for it once they, I uh, hope it is. <laughs> once they uh, release it. Um, Hashtag SDSM. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Super new for secure mode. <laughs> um, yeah, right now it's very experimental. Um, but obviously the the goal is to you know make it harder for you know hackers or bad actors to uh, exploit any bugs in the browser by turning off uh, certain features and, and things of that nature. Um, Just in time spawning of services and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, which a lot of those are performance-based improvements. Um, but you know, for organizations that need an extra layer of security, I'm sure that'll be a uh, welcome uh, sight to see that they're trying to encounter that as well. Obviously, with these, the, with this new mode, performance does suffer a hit. But you know, for organizations, that's worth it if they can have the extra layer of security. Absolutely. You do know what also is a performance hit on the Edge browser? I don't know. 
not using profiles properly. <laughs> I'm, a big, I'm, I'm a big offender of that because I just want to kind of plow through. And I got a lot of passwords cached inside of one of my profiles. So every time I go, Edge is smart enough to say, did you really want to go there under this profile? Because you <laughs> should be good. And I'm like, no. And it's like, for OAuth errors and sign out, sign in, sign out, sign in. And it's like, oh, if I would have just only said yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I actively try to avoid that. I usually, for I just try, try to use it appropriately, which I do for 99% of the time, the uh, profiles in Edge. Um, I, I as a younger person, I've or as I've used browsers and stored passwords and stuff like that, I've kind of grown agnostic to storing my passwords in any browser period. Um, I just don't feel like I, it's maybe it's an OCD thing. I don't know. Um, but it's, it doesn't feel very secure to me for the reason, but I, I do feel that like these things are, are, you know, they're getting better and they're, they're developing, you know, integrating with Microsoft authenticator. They're, you know, that, that that's having a password app. I personally use keeper, not a sponsor, uh, for a, for my password management, um, third party. not a sponsor. Yeah, and yeah. free and free. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Never a sponsor. Um, I do pay for it, but I really like the integrations as far as you know, syncing across the browser and the cloud and and stuff like that, and how it's secured and how easy it is to use across my phone and everything. So, um, but yeah, the, 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 yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what the uh, what the uh, secure mode is going to be. I doesn't seem to be there's going to be a release date on it yet. Um, I think it, like I said, it's still very experimental. So I'm, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about it through the coming months. So. Yep, for sure. For sure. All right, rolling on. Uh, trying to say concise here. I normally look at the timer to see how we're doing on time, but, you know, my team's client has dash, dash, colon, dash, dash for a timer. <laughs> so uh, today's show could be five minutes long. It could be 500 minutes long for all we know. Uh, but let's pivot over to some of our our, our top topics uh, for the day. Um, W365, first impressions. So. Let's go over what W365 is. Well, let's talk about the Alphabet 365. And not Alphabet as in Google. Alphabet as in, you know, A, B, C, D. And there's a whole lot of 365s showing up out there, which is kind of nice because Microsoft's putting a um, standard brand around their services that they provide. So everyone in the in the back in the day heard of O365, which was the Office 365 platform. And then there's D365, which is the Dynamics Online platform. Now we have W365, and that W stands for Windows. So essentially, it's a Windows desktop as a, as a service. You can provision a desktop uh, with varying specs, depending on what your budget and or requirements are needed. And once you provision it and you have it tied to your, your account, um, specifically your Azure Active Directory account, you can log in in multiple ways. And we're not going to do a crazy deep dive on the technicalities around it. We're just going to talk about more along the lines of what the experience is and kind of the niche that it fills. Um, if you want to hear a really deep, uh, exploded version of, you know, how to get there, uh, I, I have another outlet for you to check out to uh, see that. That's currently in writing. We're writing that up right now. So um, the how-tos and and more granular technical details will be coming. Just know that you can provision a desktop of varying sizes. Generally, from what I saw when I was provisioning, everything from a knowledge worker to a frontline worker to a super power user. And um, essentially, the provisioning bit was a little long. I will tell you that. It took longer than I expected. So I went through the wizards real quick to get the desktop up and running, uh, You know, connected it to my payment account, and then connected it to our Active Directory, everything was good. And then I picked my size. The size type I picked was a 2V core, 8 gig of RAM, 128 gig hard drive. I figured that would be good enough to kick the tires, especially with all my stuff sitting on one drive. Don't need a lot of storage, just need some app room, right? And I hit the go button and then it just sat there and spun for 20 minutes as it was provisioning. <laughs> and we know why that is, right? <laughs> Dev, you want to expand on why that is? <laughs> yeah, so... <clears throat> Uh, yesterday, 
um, the Microsoft had to put a halt to Windows 365 free trials because of unprecedented demand uh, for said thing. So I, we were uh, talking yesterday and uh, offline, and I was joking that uh, it probably took 20 minutes to provision because they were actively plugging in servers as we speak <laughs> <laughs> to provision the capacity for <laughs> for that. Um, probably were. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously it surpassed their ideas of what the demand would be from a free trial perspective. I, I think it's obviously very encouraging that people are using it like that people are very interested in it um especially for organizations who are maybe don't need the granularity of control like windows virtual desktop formerly known as azure virtual or windows virtual desktop now windows virtual. Azure, <laughs> azure virtual desktop. <laughs> now called azure virtual desktop thank you yep. uh, you had it backward there so i, I think that's going to be very uh you know with the fixed cost and everything i think it's going to be interesting to uh see you know how people, uh, it seems like people are gravitating towards it, so. Yeah, for sure. So there, there's a, the, the use cases. Uh, let's go down the use cases real quick here. So um, as you mentioned, there are multiple virtual desktop infrastructure uh, ch choices out there in the world, right? You know, VMware has one, Citrix has one, and Microsoft has one. Microsoft, uh, they have a legacy on-prem thing, which is not ideal. So you want to move that, offload that to the cloud. It used to be called Windows Virtual Desktop, now called Azure Virtual Desktop, you're responsible for provisioning the infrastructure, tying the infrastructure back to your hybrid or to your home, uh, not your home, but your home office, your <laughs> HQ, wherever you compute from, you, you wire all that up. You have, you know, a lot of granular control over the back ends and the amount of resources and the amount of desktops that you can put on top of that. It is very useful in that controlled environment where you want to create gold images and you want to have, you know, scalable, repeatable results. Um, not saying you can't do that with this other service. Um, this other service is more desktop as a service where the back end is you know, it's obfuscated from you. You don't see that. You just pick the resources and the sizes that you need. Right. That does not mean W365 is not for businesses because there's two levels that you get to pick from when you are provisioning. You can pick a business or you can pick an enterprise. Um, some of the stark differences between business and enterprise is that the business version has some of the trappings and controls and security, all the stuff that goes along with it. When you when you provision the desktop and you sign in with your business account, it's going to put you in there and, you know, it's going to kind of pre-provision office and make sure that, you know, everything's all lined up and all of your, you know, security context that you have from, from a business perspective extends outwards to that. It's great. The enterprise has more, con more control. Um, the day job I was working with uh, one of the IT managers, one of the biggest things we saw was that if you want to use endpoint management and, and some of those other deeper, more granular controls, you would want to use the enterprise version. So keep that in mind. So the, the details around all that and how that gets wired up, stay tuned. We'll, you know, I'll have a lot of that for you. I've been really in that rabbit hole here for you know the past 48 hours trying to not make sense of it, but make it to where it's more refined for our listeners and readers. Um, Cause it can get a little bit, well, do I pick business? Do I pick enterprise? What's the biggest difference? You know, same thing with the different 365 subscriptions, right? So um, yeah. So initially I hit that button and I had to wait, which was okay. I mean, it wasn't that bad. I mean, if you needed a desktop in a hurry, I mean, I mean, it was technically accept uh, acceptable. It's not like one of the other services I used where it took me, five days for a, you know, small fractional core VM to deploy on uh, the GCP platform because they didn't have any, I mean, that was completely unacceptable, but, you know, knowing what's going on, that's acceptable. Um, so I fired it up and you have multiple ways to connect to it. You can connect to it with a browser. Or you can connect to it with a remote desktop. Inside your remote desktop client, there's two ways to get to it. You can either put in the VM name like normally, like you would, or an IP, or you can just connect to a workspace. This is the beauty of the service. If you provision it for your business, you provision a workspace and you can provision different types of desktops and you can assign those users to those desktops. So when they sign in and they go to their workspace, they see the different VMs that they have access to. So if you have a marketing team and they sign into their workspace and that's what they have access to, it's going to you know surface that to them like, hey, this is your, your area, your space to go. And all the magic that we normally have to do and configure on the back end, you know, with, with FX logics and all the other stuff that's all the technical stuff on the back end with, you 
you know, Azure virtual desktops, that's all done for you. You don't have that granular control on that configuration, but it's all done for you. So, you know, there's a good majority of businesses out there that need to, you know, want to compute and work in a secure environment. Because when you're on this desktop, you're on this desktop and you're controlling what happens here and your data, you know, in 365 or in your OneDrive, you're, you're you know, siloed off from, from the hardware. So it's super useful there. I am plowing through this at breakneck speed, uh, <laughs> trying to make the case to businesses uh, on, on what my what my experiences are in the use cases, and I say that there's a definite fit for W365, and there's also a fit for Azure Virtual Desktop Infrastructure, or Azure Azure Virtual Desktops, as it's called, as a product. Um, fired it up, and I used the the client first, right? the remote desktop client. And much to my surprise, it immediately recognized that my desktop client, I have two screens and it worked in two screen mode automatically. I didn't have to tell it to like some of the other clients that are out there automatically gave me two screens. I had a, you know, 30 inch big one. I had my surface book and I'm like, wow, this is kind of clunky. It's kind of not fast. And the refreshes were really not good. Well, then I realized um, as I was making that statement in my head, I just fired it up and turned it on. It was the first user experience time when you turn it on, like as with all things, and all of a sudden my team client pops up with me, the login. And I like, so that initial first use was a little, little slower than I would have thought because I thought it had been super snappy having, you know, running nothing on a machine that's two cores, eight gig, 128 gig hard, hard disk. But then I realized what it was doing. It was my first launch, right? So I had to create that profile and move all that stuff around. So then, you know, I walked away. I had some day job stuff to do, came back and it was snappy. It was great. I, I fired up, you know, PowerPoint, a huge like 75 meg PowerPoint right away. It came up working, editing it. I edited some master slides. I did some stuff for a proposal that I'm putting together. And then I forgot I was on this desktop. I literally forgot. And, and I'm, this is not, this is not being hyperbolic or being like, Oh boy, you know, like get this because I, you know, I drank from the Kool-Aid. No, I literally was so entrenched in what I was doing. I totally forgot what I was, I forgot what platform I was on because I had it in full screen mode on my big screen and I was in PowerPoint. And then all of a sudden, like this, my computer's making this noise. I was getting a call through Teams. I'm like, what? And I look mm -hmm. at my Teams. That's, it was it was my desktop's Teams. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that made me think, well, let's test this out, right? So I logged off. I didn't log off. Correction. I just closed what I was doing. Just closed closed out the remote desktop connection, and I fired it up on my Samsung tab. S7 plus because I have the remote desktop client there. I added the workspace, which was just basically pasting in the URL from the windows365.com link. I signed in with my user account. Said, oh, you want to connect here? Click here. Paste this in your browser. Paste this in your, uh, you can connect through the browser or paste this in your uh, client. I did that. And all of a sudden my little box appeared with my VM I provisioned. And I was like, okay, here we go. This is going to be, I was on two screens, mind you. Now I'm on this Android tablet. <laughs> so punched the button, fired it up. And it was like a flash on the screen, which is the same thing as if you were to have a laptop and undock it, all your screens come sucking over. And then much to my surprise, I was like, oh, this is like I was moving around in it. There was one caveat. I'll get there for a second. I was like moving around. I like hitting the, you know, the little start button and doing all kind of open and stuff. But then I realized I couldn't see anything because the resolution <laughs> on the S seven plus is so grand and the client I had matched to match device resolution. So if you can imagine each letter would be like the size of a pencil tip, <laughs> that's literally what it looked like. <laughs> so then I'm like, well, this is this, like, I'm, I'm getting ready to like, you know, get I'm like, Oh, this is rubbish. It should auto scaled. I'm looking at going into display properties. And then it just clicked in my head. It's like, Oh, I remember back in the day with the old remote desktop connection to the old remote remote, desktop services i need to go look at what what it's connecting to so i went it closed it out and i went into the configuration of it and lo and behold there are two settings it says use device resolution or 
and it looks at your what what size it is and it gives you a suggestion. I'm like, okay, check that box off, reconnect. Then lo and behold, everything was like boom, right there. Perfect. <laughs> I could read everything. I'm typing on the keyboard, I'm using the stylus, I'm scrolling around, I'm like going to town, right? So then I got to thinking to myself, I'm like, self, I, I know that's overused, but I'm like, okay, self, what happens when I'm traveling on vacation and something is um, hit, hitting the, hitting the wall bad and I need to look at something or something needs to be, you know, authorized and I don't have my tablet with me. I'm on the beach in Maui and I'm like, I will have my phone with me. So I punch up the windows365.com, go to town, copy my paste in my, my workspace. Boom. Little, little box pops up with the desktop that's available to me. I click on it and it shows up in portrait mode, the whole desktop resized automatically to portrait mode. All the stuff I still, now mind you, everything I had opened transferred from my dual screen surface setup over to the S seven plus to my ultra 21. And then I also rotated it to see what it would be like landscape. I'm like flopping it all over the place. Resolutions like, what are you doing? Are you nuts? And it's going to town and it's flying. And it was completely usable, hundred percent usable. But it was kind of small. I mean, it's a big screen, but still, it's not like you're going to like. But here's the here's where I started thinking, right? If you are a Samsung user, there's something called Dex mode, and that's the desktop experience. So I was like, OK, well, let's try this in Dex mode. So if you have a Samsung tablet that supports Dex mode, what it essentially does is it takes your tablet and makes it gives you that. I, I don't want to say the Windows feel, but it gives you a desktop experience where you have the little start buttons and uh, apps, you know, size a little bit better. You know, some things are not 100 percent compatible. So I, I went to the S7 Plus, put it in Dex mode. I connected it to a monitor and I'm running this desktop off this. It, it is like working on a Windows desktop. But. It's almost like the old days of a thin client, if, if those of you out there that can can recognize it, right? Um, same thing with the phone. I took the phone, put it in Dex mode, plugged in the USB-C to HDMI, got that onto a monitor, hooked up my, um, turned on my Bluetooth keyboard and mouse that I use on my phone for Dex mode. Again, great experience, full screen. I, and then I started thinking, if you're traveling, you can, and you're in a pinch, you can plug it into a hotel uh, TV or or what have you. And the experience was good. It was, to this point, I've not found many flaws. I'm sure there are things out there that I will find over time. But uh, the 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 comment of this topic is his first impressions that it is good. Uh, it's it's snappy. I, I logged in and out multiple times today, and and it keeps my work moving between my devices. And um, we did have a call. We did a Teams call, didn't we? You and I. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, we we wanted to test out the uh, what the what the uh, experience w was like, and I I thought it was. I, if I didn't know you were calling from a Windows P or the Windows three sixty five PC, I wouldn't have known the difference. Um, you know, it was pretty seamless. We were on video, audio, everything. You know, we just, it wasn't just audio. Now we didn't share content, so I, I I don't know what that experience. I'm I'm assuming, considering that the video was like, I'm sure it would probably be pretty decent. I would think. Um, sure. But um, no, nah, no, I, I I thought it was pretty good. We talked for about like, I think it was like ten minutes, and you know, it was it was pretty seamless. I thought and everything. I think you were on your your S7, right? Yes. Yeah. So I, I thought it was pretty, pretty seamless. Obviously the mic quality isn't as great um, <laughs> with the S seven, um, but you know, it was still perfectly you know fine for business calls and I could hear you pretty clearly. So, yeah. Yeah. I equate when you use the S sevens uh, microphone, um, I, I equate it to those people who do not have, if you listen to one of our previous shows of, you know, what devices to use when they use the laptop uh, microphone and they're kind of they seem a little distant it's not like it's not high fidelity it's 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 perfectly acceptable and it's good to go um you know the one thing i realized uh during that call is like i got the team's client on my device too it was like okay so if you have teams on your device and if you do have issues you could be using your teams on the device and still have your desktop open right you could have it one in the fore, one in the rear. 
Um, just so happens that, you know, I don't know what others experiences are, or even if it's what the capabilities are touted as with, with what we did. Uh, but with some finagling, we were able to do what we needed to do and it seemed to work. So, you know, I give it a, I give it a right now, a provisional thumbs up as, as a good, good choice. And, you know, as we plow down that road of, of updates, you know, the thing that I, it got me thinking, uh, at the, um, Oh, dark 30 hour when I was, uh, you know, firing up some things and, and getting some stuff going, I was opening that desktop up and I'm going to toss this to you for what you think, you know, historically, when you build these kind of technologies, you go on a try and true operating system, right? So I've been kicking the tires also on windows 11. And I'm wondering as windows 11 becomes more prevalent and out there, I'm wondering how much windows as a service is going to, pivot to that so you know if they if they hammered this out for 10 you know with some of the changes that are on 11 what does that mean yeah and i i think it's gonna be interesting to see i mean i I was yesterday i was taking a poke around the faq for windows 365 and they do talk about windows 11 um as far as it looks like initially you'd be able to provision windows 10 and windows 11 machines now i don't know how that works with um, when you choose your options for licensing, how you provision the machines, I'm sure that'll, you know, that de- those details will become more clear as we get closer to the launch of Windows 11. Um, and who knows, maybe Windows 11 won't be immediately available via Windows 365. Um, although I do think that would be a huge missed opportunity because it's an easy way for organizations to test Windows 11, you know, features and functionality Start and stuff like the that. Adoption, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what that's going to be like, because I know you, you know, you've been, you know, tinkering with windows 11. I haven't had the chance to tinker yet. Um, but, um, I, w- I would say that it should be available day one. I would think I would hope, you know, just so people can start playing with it because honestly, that would be the way I can do it because I, I don't have many spare machines just lying around that I can just uh, pawn off onto a testing piece. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see what that, what that, what that, what that look like. And I, I'm sure that they've built windows 11. I'm sure the feature set will integrate more tightly. I would think yeah, with, for sure. you know, windows, windows 365, especially the enterprise uh, edition. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So st- stay close to this space. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, one of my other outlets, I have some full deep dives um, rolling out as things happen. Uh, and also follow on the Twitter sphere. Um, if you can, um, we have, you know, random posts and amusings around that, you know, like, Hey, look, it's an ultra 21 running windows 365. So, uh, stay close to that space. Uh, next thing up is what's new in teams. And this is where I get to be quiet and listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> you have talked a lot thus far. I have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think we've done this, uh, in the, in a little bit. Um, so uh, I'm not going to touch on every single feature that has been, uh, released in the past, I guess over a month or so right now, but some of the major ones, but, um, what I actually wanted to first touch on first is that we are, we are past the threshold people. It's uh, August 6th, 2021 and, uh, Sky for business is officially dead. Uh, as of is, almost a week is ago, it though? <laughs> it, it's dying. We'll say <laughs> it's slowly dying as organizations are, uh, uh, being forced to upgrade with Microsoft assisted upgrades. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, no, officially it's dead now. Um, people who haven't been, who haven't been proactive enough to convert the teams yet, um, for you know, whatever reason are going to be, uh, pushed forward by Microsoft with assisted upgrades. If uh, you need to see what that upgrade date is, go into your team's admin center and, uh, you will see what date and the countdown uh, that ensues, uh, for when you're going to be pushed to teams only. Um, so, uh, Skype for business server customers that aren't in uh, hybrid at all, or if their users are still homed on premises, you guys aren't affected by this, uh, yet I would think, or I, I don't think they'll be affected for a long time. Um, so, you know, don't have to worry about, you know, things getting flipped over or anything like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, for people who are using Skype for business online right now, it's, uh, it's the dawn of a new era. Uh, (laughs) for for those people um so yeah it should be uh, interesting to see how that comes i think they said they're doing this throughout the end of the year um sure a lot will be scheduled in august and september um so as i'm I'm sure yes guys some skype stuff is still out there but uh uh, skype for business will be uh 
slowly going away and eventually fade into the abyss. (laughs) Yes, it will. And I am not sad at all. Uh, <laughs> it was good for its era. It Again, its it does era. not does not affect those who use Skype for con- contacting relatives globally, or have a paid calling plan, or a free calling plan for the regular consumer Skype. The regular out there, that's still a thing. So don't worry about that for mm-hmm. now. Uh, I I think that eventually people they'll they'll try to be pointed towards teams personal because i know inside teams from a business perspective they say add your personals and you yeah. can have your own personal team space so um th- that of, might that might be the path to go right yeah out of curiosity because I, i've seen this as a topic of the, the, the discussion on on the on the interwebs um have you used any of the built-in teams features of windows 11 yet um no i no no okay <laughs> <laughs> I, I installed the t- I installed the Teams client because yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, let's put it to you this way: the, the, I tried to follow the path there, and it was not clear to me on on the configuration and how it was working. So I needed to get up and running, and I wanted to test the Teams experience. So I put the Teams client on. Uh, though I will say, I just got a big update this morning. And I have not yet looked at what came in on that update. So I think they just released the first beta, I believe. I yes. Think. Yeah, yeah. So that's because I'm on the insiders program. Uh, so I got, uh, you know, that's checked off inside 11. So I just got a whole bunch of stuff this morning, but I have yet to unpack yeah. that. Figure out, <laughs> figure out what's what. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, no. So yeah, the, the, so, uh, keep, keep, keep an eye on your team's admin center. If you haven't converted to teams yet, um, you'll definitely see the countdown, uh, for, uh, the transition that Microsoft's going to force you. Unfortunately, I think you might be able to request an extension. Um, I just did see that in one team's admin center I was looking in. I don't know how long that extension you can request is. Um, but either one way or another, they're going to get you to teams. So, um, Oh yeah, it just just makes sense to do it now or or begin planning immediately uh, for what that transition looks like. Um, But but moving to to smaller eggs, um, some of the new features in Teams this month, and and I think one that we had uh, mentioned uh, previously is Teams auto recording. Meeting organizers are now going to be able to set a single meeting occurrence or series to auto record. Um, by enabling the, the the setting inside the meeting options um, for that particular meeting, single meeting or series. Um, so the auto recording or it'll start recording auto, auto by itself um, once people join and stuff like that. And Mike, what do you, what do you have thoughts on this? I do. I do. So, so by auto recording, that means that anybody that listens to it back gets to hear, Oh, is so-and-so here? Okay. Yeah. Wait, well, we'll give them another two minutes. Um <laughs> Can you see? I'll get it up. Can you see my screen? Okay, are they here yet? Oh, we should, should we start? <laughs> that whole thing is going to be part of the auto record. Right? This is true. This is true. Yeah. Um, the meeting actually, the, the recording is not going to start until the first participant from the same organization joins the meeting. So, if external users join your meeting first, they will, the recording won't start until someone from your same org uh, will will join the meeting. But yeah, you're definitely right. There's going to be a lot of that in the beginning before. <laughs> Well, fortunately, there's a lot, not a lot of people who uh, are going to edit those meetings and post or, <laughs> or anything they, like they that. Are, they are not, you know, because, <laughs> you know, editing them. Here's the thing about editing those. If you just want to capture the audio, like if you want to lop it off and you pull it into like an audio editor, you disambiguate the, because it's an MP4, you disambiguate the, so everything's out of sync by whatever, yeah. whatever you time clip from the audio. So then like the voices don't match up with the heads and the mouths moving. So if you do that, that's mm, not good. If you bring it into a video editor, that's a lot of like if you have an hour meeting, that's that's a big file and you're not (laughs) you're going to go in there. And I will say the one thing I wish that was better with recording and I'm sure you see this is like we do a lot of recording on teams, sometimes audio, sometimes video, sometimes both. Well, Oh, it's either sometimes audio or both video and audio. Uh, we don't do mime stuff here. <laughs> but uh, the the thing to consider is, is like they, they have that splash screen when the video starts. It says meeting, organize. It's so 
not good. It's a gray <laughs> screen and the text is like blotchy and it's not, it's just not good. <laughs> it is not good. They Like if you want to do this and you're going to put this, push this out, like, okay, we're going to record this and we're going to put it out as a company all hands meeting. And it starts off with all hands meeting organized by, and it's like pixelated and it's like blotchy. It's like, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Help, would, help there, would, Microsoft. Please help us. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if, and this kind of lends itself to a, a later, I guess I'll, we'll, I can, it's a perfect segue for an item, but I think this would be a good feature to enable custom beginning splash or to, 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 to offer a feature for whether it be for advanced queue, the advanced comms skew um, or team something events. or teams live events or, or whatever to, uh, to offer that, the ability to customize those splash screens for recordings. Um, and speaking of the, you know, of doing the, to be able to customize org wide, the, another feature that's really on more of a minute one, um, not, not really anything critical, but uh, you'll be able as a team's admin to set uh, organization wide backgrounds for your, your custom backgrounds and deploy them to all your users. Um, <laughs> but what's weird about this one is that, and I, I'm not quite sure why they decided this belongs in the SKU, but you, this is only going to be available to people in the advanced comm SKU, yeah. um, which I find very interesting because it's not like a huge feature or anything like that. You know, it's like you're increasing your capacity of events or anything like that. Um, so what what are your thoughts on, on that? Um, I have two thoughts. <laughs> they're, they're in conflict with each other too. So like if I'm managing an enterprise level uh, organization or one that's very public and has a lot of meetings with the public and you want to control that experience, you don't want people putting like, here's a picture of, you know, a bear chasing a deer in the backyard, or here's a picture of my wheat field and it's blurry and, it could be suggestive because of the way the wind's blowing, you know, it's like you want to control that to some degree. Um, I would also hope that people in your organization would be mindful enough to pick a, an appropriate background. Um, so there's that too. Right. That being said, I got a lot of custom backgrounds, some humorous, some, you know, like if we're doing a one-off team meeting, I might pop something back there. That's kind of like, goofy, you know, and not inappropriate, but like goofy, you know, or, you know, like when I do a lot of forward facing stuff, I have a custom background that has, you know, some QR codes. So if I'm talking and somebody wants to like snap a picture of the screen and get access to my Twitter or LinkedIn feed or access to the a, a web portal, they can do that. Um, I know organizations do that too. Um, so it's, they're kind of in conflict. I like yeah. the ability to put what I want there. You know, occasionally I like the sinkhole in Pittsburgh with the bus sticking out of it. It's funny because it looks like it's going to fall over in my head. Uh, but in the same sense, I understand professionalism needs to be adhered to and not everyone makes the best decisions. Well, I, and I think it's a bit unclear, but I think the way they have it uh, wrote out in the article is you'll be able to deploy images to the entire, like, for example, like if we have logos, like background logos, you want everyone to have available to them. They'll be able to deploy, but users will still be able to choose what they want. Okay, well that's different. But here's yeah. the other here's the other thing. Then you could do that now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, like, because like right now, you know, the way people get to add images is going to the dot dot dot, apply background effects, add new, like following the breadcrumbs. There's a that breadcrumb leads you to a folder on your computer. Where the image of the right size, if it's sitting there, becomes an option to choose. Yeah. So who's well, to say I, you can't deploy a group policy that drops that image on a, on everyone's domain join machine? I, yeah. I mean, if you really want to get that crazy with it, I suppose. I mean, that's yeah. not, it's, not great. it's really not that hard. I think we deployed a, a particular desktop background for a particular Philadelphia resident of uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins logo. It's it's really easy to do. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, but um, yeah, no, I mean, I suppose I guess it's an easier way for them to deploy it if they wanted to. You can add up to 50 images um, uh, at first. And I think this is something we'll see a little bit more as uh, to give people like a little taste of things that are on the lower light, the lower skews um, that the it, it'll be temporarily available 
um, and will require the advanced comms license when it becomes generally available by the end of the year. So it seems like they're going to make it temporarily available to everyone. And then it was going to require the higher sure. skew of licensing. Give, give them the taste. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I mean, I could definitely see that with, as they release more features for that skew that, yeah, yeah, we'll give it to you free for a couple of months, but if you want to pass that, you got to give us more money. Uh, <laughs> type deal. So, um, uh, that's not, you know, it's obviously it's not a bad business model. Um, but, um, you know, we're curious to see how that'll play out in the future. But, um, uh, another one that I thought, another feature I thought that was really interesting and it's kind of is rolled out already. I don't know if you've seen it is the call health, uh, feature inside of teams. Um, when you're actively inside a call, um, you have the ability to click on your, uh, three dots at the top and with all the other settings there and you'll see call health, uh, there and you'll be able to, um, empower your users if to investigate uh you know if there's any uh, issues with teams calls if, if there's any lag or anything like that to see who might be the culprit um from an internet perspective so um so i, th- I thought that's pretty cool that's a nice granular way to do it, especially if you're testing uh i mean i think that's even big for us to a certain extent if we want to test uh teams calls you know for different network you know paths to different offices and sites and stuff like that, especially when we're you know helping clients move to the teams uh, which I'm sure we'll be doing a lot of, and then in, in the uh, coming months, um, yep. <laughs> um, to uh, test network readiness and, and and stuff like that to uh, to see what's going on. So I think that's a little nifty tool um, to see you could you know test load and and stuff like that. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I've used it a little bit. It, it, you know, it's. Uh, I think for the common end user, that probably doesn't make a lot of sense to them uh, <laughs> what they're seeing. But I think for us, uh, it'll definitely be useful if we're trying to troubleshoot certain things, which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, cur- um, currently right now during this recording, uh, the send limit right now is 19.31 megabits. The receive limit's 4.12 megabits. Round trip is 42 milliseconds, which seems a little long, but yeah. it's still under 52, which is the the, the mark you want to get to, and zero packet loss. So that's why we're uh, have such fidelity and clear screens, I suppose. <laughs> so yeah, every you're right. It is important to, to know it's there. So, you know, it, sh- it covers everything from network to what the audio is, what the bit rate looks like, uh, what the video is, what, what the, the resolution of the send receive is, which codec is being used. Um, if you're either hardware enabled or if it's just running pure software and also if you're screen sharing also, you know, what is being sent across the wire. So, so these kind of diagnostics to the regular user or business, they're kind of like yawn, but when <laughs> you start experiencing like, Oh, this really is crap because of X, Y, Z. And then you realize you come in here and you look at your network and you see a round trip time, 90 some seconds. It could be because you're running wireless and you're in the, in a Faraday cage you know, or, so it, it is useful to to people trying to diagnose. Gotcha. No, I I, I, I agree. It's going to be. I think it's like going to be a, somewhat of a game changer for that. And you have something else to add? I do. I do. It's not related, but related. I've said this to every Teams deployment project uh, <laughs> I have other architect or been involved in. Do you know when you're done with a call and it says how was your call and it has the stars? I employ everyone to answer that. Because when you are an when you're an administrator of the system and you need to try to diagnose what the problems are, like there's some AI in the back end that kind of helps realize where packets being lost, either it's it's coming in latent or it's recent going. So you can get some sort of telemetry around it, but understanding what that user's perception of that experience was is really useful when you're in the call quality dashboard on the admin side. So I implore everyone to answer those questions as much as possible instead of just Xing it out and just carrying on. It's useful. It's helpful. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I think that's a, definitely a, something uh, good to uh, call out. Um, the next thing I wanted to touch on is the um, with uh, Android and uh, uh, what do you call them? Android and mobile. You'll be able to uh, share audio from your device now. Uh, when you show your screen, which I thought I think it's pretty cool. Um, Teams is canceling this, but I'm clapping. <laughs> um, so you'll be able to include device audio there. So obviously, if you're trying to share audio or anything like that, I, I think that's pretty cool. Um, and it's also worth noting mobile that includes tablet devices, right? So people are like, oh, my phone, why am I going to do a presentation with audio and 
Let's present a YouTube video. Well, it's also some people like to connect where they're mobile and they're at, they're on the run and they take the meeting from the coffee shop and they want to share something. At the, the the mobile the Android experience on or even iOS for that matter, right? Uh, that experience on the tablet is considered a mobile experience as opposed to the web experience through the browser or the client experience through the Teams client. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, it's definitely a good delineation to to make because a lot of times I think we, we get a little that tablet world's a little bit gray area. Yep. As far as being, you know, they're trying to make it more full fun, full, fully functioning like a true desktop, and that's what some people want because they just, they just want that small form factor, but they still want the mobile you know side of the fence as well. So, I think it's definitely a good delineation to make. Yeah, it's it's um, fun. It's fun running the Teams Android app on a Samsung device in Dex mode. <laughs> 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 I haven't done that before. I'll have to try that out to, to, to see how that works. Yep. Um, and uh, two more things I wanted to cover because um, we are getting close to time here um, is uh, you'll be able to soon spotlight multiple users in the meeting. For what? the entire, yeah, <laughs> I did. I we, totally missed that one. That, that's new to me. That's cool. Yeah, because I know we like to joke around sometimes and actively spotlight people who are uh, in the meeting on video and uh, stuff like that. So you'll be able to spotlight up to seven participants now simultaneously during meetings. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be pretty cool. You know, um, one of the best times to spotlight somebody is is when when they think you can't see that you're, they're texting on their phone, but the edge of their phone d- kind of pops <laughs> into the screen. And you can see them looking down like they're on their keyboard, but they're actually like texting someone. They, like spotlight them. Huh, I'm, I'm kidding. Don't, don't shame anyone. But just know that we can tell when you're texting on a Teams call. Definitely, definitely. No, it's uh, it's uh, definitely a way to put focus on someone if they're not, maybe not necessarily fully paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> to everyone and to uh, uh, shame them. So that's, uh, yeah, that we don't encourage shaming. Um, but, um, no shaming. <laughs> um, and the last thing I wanted to cover, which I think is, it's a pretty cool one, um, is slide translation in PowerPoint Live and Teams. Um, so you'll be able to, uh, and this is, you know, private to the user, it won't translate for everyone in the meeting. Um, but you'll be able to, uh, see a personalized view of the slide where text is translated, translated in your chosen language. Um, so it supports 19 languages with more to come right off the bat. Um, I'm sure I, I don't have a list of the 19 languages, but I'm sure it's a lot of the, you know, a lot of the main, mainly spoken ones around the world. Um, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And um, you know, with PowerPoint Live as well, you'll be able to do inking and stuff directly on the PowerPoint pre, pre, yep. pre presentation inside teams, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I think the translation is going to be pretty critical, um, especially for users. So that way, you know, they can go at their own pace and, and, view the presentation in their mode and that that doesn't necessarily fall upon the presenter um, to make sure all the slides are translated or whatever. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's definitely pretty cool. So uh, I know there was a bunch more things uh, that that have been released. July was a busy, 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 busy month for the developers and the release team. So we appreciate all their hard work. Um, Good consolidation of the key ones, Dev. Um, You know, we'll we'll bucket that in, you know, teams in the last 30 uh, we haven't done one of those last month, so uh, we'll, we'll bucket that in there. There's more to come. Um, again, thank Aspirant for helping making this show possible. Dev, thank you again for for uh, helping to run the helm here, and we appreciate you as a listener. Check the show notes for all the relevant links and information. On that note, any final words, Dev? No, no, I think we uh, were almost at an hour. So I think we uh, really covered a lot of stuff today. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. And once we lop off all that weird beginning that we had that weird transition, we'll be at 55 <laughs> minutes, hopefully. So uh, it ran a little long. We appreciate you as a listener. Check the show notes. We'll see you in the next time. Bye. Today's show is brought to you by Aspirant. You aspire, together we achieve. This production is for information and entertainment purposes only. Not all technologies and items discussed are compatible with your system or specific configuration. Your knowledge may vary. Consult a professional before trying anything discussed on this show. Visit show notes for relevant information and links. I thought okay. you said you're ready. Record. Yeah, I'm ready. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready.